Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. Now, laptops, computers, and phones. They are among the items that have shrunk in size over time as consumers demand items that are smaller, more portable and perhaps cheaper. But besides our daily consumer goods, did you know that even satellites are getting smaller too? Not only are satellites getting smaller, they also need to fly closer to the Earth to collect better quality data to power industries such as maritime, aviation and even banking. And to do so... Satellite companies now need smaller, low-power and efficient engines, and that's what our guest for today does. Now, founded in 2018, Eliana is a spin-off from the Nanyang Technological University that creates propulsion engines to allow satellites to fly closer to the Earth. Now, the question is, why do satellites need to fly closer to the Earth in the first place? And to what extent has this got to do with the cost of satellite deployment? Now, meanwhile, the firm's propulsion engines hitched a ride on SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket last year. Its engines were deployed this year as well in a separate space mission. But what can we expect next? Well, for more, let's speak to Dr. Mark Lim, co-founder and CEO of Eliana. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. On, Great to have you on board. And uh, Mark, we've briefly talked about how Eliana is this spin-off from the Nanyang Technological University. You guys create propulsion engines to allow small satellites to fly closer to the Earth. Question is, why are satellites getting smaller? Is that due to costs? And why do satellites then need to fly closer to the Earth? So thank you very much for the question, Tian So I think we've uh, spoken about this earlier on, and I think you've brought up that, you know, even for consumer electronics, we've started to see, see them get smaller. But at the same point of time, while they are getting smaller, they are even as competent as their larger counterparts. That's very much uh, the same case for the space industry as well. Uh, miniaturization of electronics has allowed for smaller satellites to be as compet- competent as their larger counterparts. They are easier to build and produce at scale. And they're even more cost-effective to launch, which makes it very accessible to smaller commercial entities. What we've seen in the last couple of decades was an evolution of space being uh, initially restricted to large actors who have a large budget um, to um, allow for commercial entities today to build their own satellites and launch their own commercial services. Now, to answer the question on why satellites require to fly closer to the Earth, to enable downstream services. It doesn't take a rocket scientist uh, for us to understand why that's the case. So if you look at your cameras, right, we always like to say that the best zoom that you can get is always to take a step forward forward or closer to your subject. And in doing so for satellites, right, if you go closer to the Earth, uh, you're actually capturing higher resolution data sets and communicating at lower latencies. And this will actually unlock the realm of commercial possibilities uh, for downstream services uh, to be are more proliferated throughout Earth. Mm. And let's talk a little bit more about Eliana then. How does Eliana plug the market gap and how would you describe then your value proposition and business model? That's a very good question as well. So we've earlier on spoken a little bit about um, small satellites being more cost-effective to launch. Uh, but the value proposition in launching small satellites would be the fact that for the cost of one large satellite, you now can launch a batch of them and you can think of them as a constellation of fleet of these satellites operating together uh, to execute certain missions uh, that has downstream value to uh, the consumers on ground. Now, what we do at Eliana is to provide engines as enablers for these satellites to execute their missions in space. So, for example, when you're looking at uh, 
constellations or fleets of satellites, you need them to be where they need to be at a certain point of time in space uh, to allow for them to communicate with each other or for them to go into various uh, locations for them to be able to, let's just say, take a picture or communicate over a certain place at a certain time. But they don't just need any ordinary engines. They need a special type of engines uh, which will allow for them to, let's just say, extend their mission lifetime uh, at lower altitudes. And that's where we come into the picture. We provide power and fuel efficient engines for them to fly closer to the Earth and operate at, uh, as a constellation out in space together. We aspire to be uh, the Rolls-Royce of satellites uh, to make our systems the industry standard for satellite missions. Wow, Rolls-Royce for satellites. And let's talk a little bit more about your customers, uh, Mark. I believe your consumers include the NTU Satellite Research Centre, the Imperial College London, and Temasek Laboratories at NTU. So help us understand the profile of these customers. And also I understand you provide engines to satellite makers as well. So which is the most important customer segment for you? I think for the large bulk of uh, what we've been doing since incorporation was to work very closely with academic institutions in allowing for them to utilise our facilities as well as the provision of certain components that will enable um, their academic endeavours for R&D accordingly. However, moving forward, uh, the past five years, we've actually derised our technology and demonstrated our systems in space. Uh, what we intend to do is actually work on capturing the commercial market and our primary customer segment will be constellation operators. And these are guys that actually operate satellites in space to provide communication capabilities or Earth observation uh, images uh, to downstream uh, customer segments. And we aim to actually go commercially to seize this market segment. Now, satellite operators are a great source of revenue uh, for Eliana in the form of us being able to market our engines and sell our engines to them, mainly because they de typically deploy about hundreds to thousands of these satellites out there. Every single one of them requires an engine. It allows for us to batch produce our systems with low non-recurring engineering costs, but it gives us high impact in the amount of systems that we sell at volume and provides us with regular recurring revenue. Mm. And I just want to find out a little bit more now that we're on the topic of customers because a bulk of those satellite operators or satellites in the low Earth orbit are from, if I'm not wrong, OneWeb and also uh, SpaceX. So in that case, would you consider them as part of your customer base or are you looking at the remaining smaller players that are sending their satellites uh, to the area? Well, I mean, if we were to be able to have these discussions with SpaceX and OneWeb, I think we would be in a very good position to market our systems to them accordingly. But I think this customer segment is indeed very, very important. So you're looking, uh, as you've mentioned earlier on, you're talking about constellation operators like OneWeb and SpaceX's Starlink. Um, but there are many other constellation operators out there that are intending to deploy their constellations at scale. Um, and in the days to follow, we intend to work very closely with the regional as well as the international market uh, to be able to provide these enabling solutions, be it for communications, be it for Earth observation, be it for scientific missions, uh, to allow for them to do things that they were not able to do before. Mm, and as always, Mark, we love to talk about the dollars and cents on the show. Um, 
So, I believe Eliana's engines hitched a ride on SpaceX last year. You have a second launch held in July this year as well with a UK and Finnish consortium. Question is, how many contracts do you have at the moment? And I believe you said you are revenue generating in the first year. So, how are financials looking looking like, if I may ask? That's a great question. So, uh, we indeed have launched a couple of our systems out there. Uh, our market is uh, inclusive uh, of uh, the upstream and downstream components. Uh, the financials have been looking uh, pretty healthy uh, at this moment. So we are sustainable with a couple of contracts under our belt. Uh, we've delivered a couple of uh, these uh, programs and systems to our partners, both locally as well as internationally, and we will be sustainable. Uh, however, Eliana aims to expand very rapidly in this year, uh, allowing for us to capture a broader market segment by having uh, in-house qualification facilities and to be able to provide our systems at scale. Naturally, with this expansion, uh, we do have to incur some capital expenditure. But with that, we target to become profitable within the next two to three years. Well, profitability within next two to three years. But first, before we take a look at growth, right, uh, Mark, let's talk a little bit more about SpaceX. Because SpaceX is a partner that helps to bring your engines, which are then attached to satellites that are made by your customers, to space. So take us through the complex relationship between Eliana, your customers, which are satellite firms, and also SpaceX, which provides the sort of rockets, you know, to bring your satellites and engines to space. How do you navigate such relationships? Relationships. Well, it's uh, not that complex, uh, to be honest. If we take a look at this, uh, SpaceX, you can think of them as a service provider which brings our systems or our customers' satellite platforms to space. You can think of them very much like a grab platform uh, that you actually utilize uh, to bring you where you need to be. Uh, for us, we consider ourselves as providers of last mile mobility solutions to allow for these satellites that are operated uh, to eventually get to where they need to be and continue to be where they need to be throughout the entire span of their missions. Now, navigating this relationship between uh, these few players down there, um, I think there's one very important word that we always have to adhere by, and that's requirements. Uh, the requirements actually come from both parties itself. You can think of them as a requirements coming from the launch service provider, for example, SpaceX, if we're using SpaceX's uh, uh, rockets. Uh, they do have requirements that we have to abide by in order for our systems to be manifested, meaning to say we can hitch a ride on board. If we don't meet these requirements, we can't get on board the rocket and our customers will not have uh, that option to have our systems together with them. At the same point of time, there are also requirements uh, from our customers themselves. And these requirements are very technical in nature, um, meaning to say whether our systems will be able to deliver what they require for their missions. Now, what we do at Eliana in um, navigating this uh, relationship is always to overqualify our systems to ensure that our systems meet the requirements by these two parties itself. And we've always started by building our systems to be modular. You can think of them as uh, Lego bricks, uh, allowing for our systems to be customized very rapidly in a modular fashion uh, to allow for them to meet the requirements of uh, multiple missions. Hmm. And looking at the wider business environment, Mark, you have mentioned in our earlier chats that the low Earth orbit market is currently a 400 billion US dollars market. It's set to exceed 1 trillion US dollars by 2030. What is the basis for your analysis and what is the growth rate looking like for Eliana specifically? So I think what we see is that the market is going to grow and set to exceed $1 trillion by 2030, as you've mentioned earlier on. But it's worth mentioning that this $1 trillion US dollar market is actually comprised of 
all segments that we're looking at, it includes the upstream segments for uh, for people who are actually building the rockets, building hardware, um, all the way to downstream components, uh, which include people who are providing this service, analytics of data and so forth. So it's $1 trillion, it's a big industry. Um, and we intend to seize um, a broader part of this market uh, moving forward. So starting out as an engine provider, there's nothing stopping us from building up satellites, equipped with our engines to do sophisticated tasks, and eventually evolving into a platform service provider uh, down the road. Now, uh, for financials, uh, financials-wise, at Eliana, uh, understanding that we have been growing since uh, the last couple of years, taking an idea from uh, within the, the technical team into things that we are actually marketing, we've seen tremendous growth. So our CAGR for the last three years is around 218%. And I think many of us would think that uh, it's going to stabilize, but we are looking at, you know, for the next next half of the decade, uh, about 289% cumulative revenue growth. Wow. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Dr. Mark Lim, co-founder and CEO of Eliana. And Mark, as you've told me in our earlier chats, uh, the low-Earth orbit is getting more and more crowded with satellites from the larger players, the likes of SpaceX and OneWeb. You've mentioned that the very low-Earth orbit will be the next area of contest, and especially so as now that satellites are smaller and smaller, you know, they then need to fly closer to the Earth to capture better data. So how is Eliana positioned for that? Yeah, I think it's a race to the bottom right now that we are seeing in space, right? So um, we have the enabling technologies in the form of our engines uh, that allow for Eliana today to capture the market, the existing market at low Earth orbit, we call it LEO, but also have the potential to spearhead growth in the emerging market in very low Earth orbit, LEO. Now, our systems allow for satellites um, that are small, that do not have uh, a lot of volume to carry on board excessive amounts of solar panels or batteries or fuel tanks to be able to fly at lower altitudes and to compensate for the drag that they experience and encounter there. We have the enabling systems and in fact, our systems are the engines of choice for a local satellite to go to very low Earth orbit. Now, I think this is very important when we are marketing our systems to be ready to customers intending to go to very low orbit by saying that we do have the street credibility uh, to put satellites and, and place them in such strategic locations. And I guess, um, you know, with the first few satellites going to very low Earth orbit, many other commercial operators of these satellites, in order for them to continue to remain relevant in the scene, they too need to capture high resolution data sets or communicate with lower latencies. If not, they're going to lose out their customer segments. And we are ready today. We're ready to provide our systems uh, to the ever-growing market. Right. And on that note, let's uh, switch gears to look at funding. Uh, Mark, I believe Eliana held a $1.5 million oversubscribed seed funding round uh, in late uh, 2019. And Tech in Asia reported last year that you guys are looking to raise $5 million US million in a Series A round. Uh, what was the rationale for the second round of funding? Uh, that's a good question, uh, especially at this time that we're speaking, right? So, um, you know, Eliana has actually backed a couple of contracts um, and we have actually delivered our systems. We are actually revenue generating already. And the truth is, uh, at this moment, uh, we will be comfortable and we will be sustainable. Uh, and we are already on the uh, pathway to profitability, even without the need of a fundraising round. However, we've started to see 
uh, that there's an increasing customer demand for our systems. And we are utilizing or we are proposing to utilize the Series A proceeds specifically for expansion to allow for Eliana to be able to build up manufacturing and in-house qualification capabilities for us to provide our systems to our customers with lower lead times uh, and have reliable and robust supply chains in order for us to meet these uh, demands from our customers. Now, we also are able to do so mainly because we have partners from ST Engineering, Advanced Network and Systems. Now, what we intend to do is to have full in-house qualification capabilities at Eliana. We'll be able to qualify our systems to our customers. And for the manufacturing and production segment, uh, we will be working very closely with ST Engineering uh, to allow for us to build hundreds or even thousands of these engines. And this gives us the capabilities to scale on demand without the intense upfront capital costs. And speaking of investments and funding, let's zoom in on your investor base, Mark. Eliana's investors included CapVista, which is the strategic investment arm of Singapore's defence and technology agency. You have 500 Global and Intuitive. Uh, what is the value brought about by this group of strategic investors? I guess when you are looking into space tech investments, right, uh, the devil is really in the details. Uh, whether the company that you're looking at investing in or whether the product that you're buying from a particular company um, has the relevant um, uh, needs to meet eventual uh, space tech missions that, that will be going out to space. Now, what I would like to say is that, you know, our initial investors, uh, they are very deep in terms of uh, how they have assessed Eliana's technology and where the market is growing. And I think tech validation from, let's just say, CapVista, which is a venture investment arm of uh, Singapore's DSTA, has allowed for a lot more investor confidence who are actually following the round or who have been keeping tabs on Eliana with the interest of uh, either utilizing our systems or interest in coming in uh, later at future rounds. So I think the strategic value that they have brought on board is uh, tech validation and introduction to their networks of uh, both uh, customers uh, which eventually translates to um, who we are working together with, as well as uh, their network of uh, VC friends out there in the ecosystem. Mm, and talk about support and backing. Eliana also has a separate group of supporters, and they include, and I'm just uh, bringing up the names here, Enterprise Singapore, the EDB, the Singapore Space and Technology Limited, as well as the Office for Space Technology and Industry Singapore. How would you then describe your relationship with these supporters? Are they the bridge that links you to your customers, the satellite firms, or transportation companies that could bring your engines into space? Well, I see them uh, playing uh, three main roles uh, in how we have evolved over the couple of years uh, as a company. I think the first role that they have played very much was in the uh, in allowing for us to expand our international network. So we have been working very closely with Enterprise Singapore and Austin, the Office for Space Technology and Industry, uh, to go on various uh, international business missions, space tech international business mission, to better understand uh, what are the requirements or the emerging needs uh, of their, let's just say, governmental programs or their companies within the countries uh, to allow for them uh, to understand what we actually bring to the table and to market our systems there. Uh, the second role that uh, these supporters play uh, would be to allow for us to uh, expand or to look into various other verticals, technical verticals, through grants 
and capital support or financing methods. So we have been um, the recipient of a couple of grants, both by uh, Austin as well as Enterprise Singapore, which allowed for us not just to uh, build up our systems, but also in the process, work together with international counterparts to deliver our systems globally. Uh, the final aspect of um, uh, the role that they play is in allowing for us to better understand the needs of the local and international ecosystem so that we can actually support what they need to do uh, for capability development, specifically in the space sector in Singapore, because we all grow uh, only when there are more companies uh, spinning off from within our local institutes of higher learning within Singapore. And we can grow this entire ecosystem together um, only if we are in a good position to allow for us uh, to better understand what are the needs, um, how we can actually support talent development within our local institutes of higher learning and uh, collectively move together. Hmm. And finally, before we let you go, Mark, what are some future plans for Eliana for the rest of this year? Any expansion within and out of Singapore? And also, what can we expect here in Singapore then? Yeah, I think uh, for the rest of the year, we are very laser focused on the provision of our systems to a couple of very critical missions. So my engineers and my entire team is very hard on uh, working very hard on delivering these systems and uh, ensuring that uh, they work to the best of uh, their, their expectations from our customers. But in terms of our uh, business expansion, I think we are going on a couple of uh, international business missions uh, towards the end of this year. Uh, and we are already in the midst of looking towards um, uh, expanding to a new facility uh, in the coming year. So we are making a lot of preparations uh, in order for us to prep us uh, towards uh, facility expansion in the following year. Exciting days indeed. Thanks a lot, Mark. That was Dr. Mark Lim, co-founder and CEO of Eliana. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.